Welcome to Savage Minds. I'm your host, Julian Vigo. Today's guest is Simon Ateba, the chief White House correspondent for Today News Africa in Washington, covering President Biden, Vice President Harris, and other international organizations in Washington, D.C. and New York City. I welcome Simon Ateba to Savage Minds. I am most excited to meet you ever since I read about what happened to you on 20 March. I was not at all surprised by the reception you were given at the White House, given that it's been pretty well known on the street, as it were, that the press secretary and the former press secretary as well, uh, Jen Psaki, were not really that open to certain types of media, if you follow me. Could yeah. you describe to our listeners what happened to you that day? It was Monday, 20 March. You were in the Brady press room of the White House where there was to be a press briefing. Now, what I've seen, and I've been able to find some clips of it, though not uh, too many, instead of being allowed to ask questions, you and other members of the press found yourselves thrown into what appeared to be a theater of sorts, where the cast mm -hmm. of Ted Lasso was brought in to effectively derail your professional duty. You're not there to be given a Broadway sideshow, but whatever. It's actually insane when I think of what was done to you in a way tantamount to a surgeon about to operate only to find the body laid out before him or her as one of many actors in a Broadway performance doing jazz hands. But it's actually worse what you were put through because this deals with the highest levels of government accountability to the media and they used you and the cast of Ted Lasso to make light of the mandate of the US government towards the media. Could you describe what you experienced? Yes, uh, first of all, thank you for having me on. Thank you for having me on your show. Uh, I, I think for everyone, any person listening now should understand that when you become a journalist, you are there to do a job. You're there to you know, uh, hold government accountable, the people in power, and you are there to, uh, you know, uh, inform people and be truthful, you know, towards people. But what happens in the White House is, it's been, you know, that day before the Ted Lasso cast came to the White House, it's been seven months. Uh, they've not called on me only because I'm doing my job for asking tough questions and, and trying to hold them accountable. Uh, I think my problems in the White House began in November, 2021 when I challenged the then press secretary, Jen Psaki, uh, about the, the ban on African nations, eight African nations. For those who don't remember, President Biden banned eight African nations from coming into the US because of the Omicron variant that was detected in South Africa. And six of those nations had zero cases of the variant. At the same time, the variant was in the UK, in Hong Kong, and even here in the US. And I challenged them. And since that day, they began to sideline me and they began to discriminate against me and they began to refuse to give me questions. Uh, and, and I believe that is really unfortunate because the First Amendment protects anyone against discrimination. You know, it protects the freedom of speech. And I shouldn't be discriminated against or sidelined or not be allowed to be a member of the WACA, which is the White House Correspondents Association, only for doing my job. 
Uh, and, and for anyone listening and, and who may ask me, can you give us some example? I will tell them, if you were President Biden's press secretary and the president is receiving 50 African leaders in Washington, D.C. for the second U.S. African Leaders Summit, as President Biden did last December, won't you give a question or call on the African journalists in the room who focuses on ties and interaction between Africa and the US? Of course, you will do that. We give them multiple questions. You will grant them access you know, to, to do their job and to continue to strengthen those ties at the time when China and Russia are expanding their influence across Africa. It's unfortunate what's happening to me. The newspapers are calling it a retaliation. And, and that's why it is, you know, discriminating against the African journalist only for doing his job, only for trying to hold you accountable, only for asking tough questions, only for doing the job that a journalist is supposed to do. One would think that people would be more supportive of this, but of course there's no irony that this month, freedom that celebrates ostensibly freedom of the press, we saw at the White House Correspondents' Dinner a lot of back padding, no mention of what's gone on with Julian Assange, a journalist and editor. He published very important documents which basically cemented the United States government's role in, in illegal extrajudicial judicial killings. And this is something, you know, <clears throat> Simone, I've lived around the world and I learned more about what my country does. I'm an American, I'm also Canadian, but I've learned more about what my country does outside of my own country. That's how dirty our political systems and media are. I, for instance, living in Morocco, I was able to read loads of publications from Moroccan based to even Genefric that show and demonstrate through solid journalism what my government was involved in. So many of those stories never even made it to the hallmark editions of, let's say, the New York Times, the Chicago, the Chicago Tribune, the LA Times, nothing. And there is a reason for this. We've, we're in a crisis today, especially, I would say, since 9-11, when that notion of embedded reporting was thrown back into the ring because it was used in Iraq 1, but to a lesser degree, suddenly everyone was given this feel-good moment about having body camps strapped on journalists who got to dress up like soldiers and call it a day. These were, again, illegal wars because a lot of Americans are unaware about how war is supposed to be declared <laughs> and approved of by certain governmental proceedings, but that hasn't happened since Korea. Now, what I find phenomenal about what happened to you is also the other journalists that were there. I, I, maybe I have to put that in air quotes because we don't know who's really a journalist or who's just a paid hack sent to give easy questions. Now, there were two men who said to you things on the order of to pipe down and to just be respectful. Do you know who those two people were? Yes, one of them was a guy from Reuters News Agency the first guy, and the second one used to work for Playboy. And he was actually removed from the White House Correspondents Association recently because he became violent 
in the Rose Garden. His credentials were taken away from him by the previous administration because he became violent in the Rose Garden. He used to be there during Bush, admin, the first Bush administration, and he was sad because he became very disrespectful toward Bush, and he used to antagonize the press secretaries of President Biden, uh, President, former President Trump. And, and so that's the guy who was trying to lecture me. And, but I know what's going on there. It's really hard to do the job. When you begin to cover the White House and you fly with the president, you fly on Air Force One, most people come to Washington, D.C. to drain the swamp and to, to swamps and to change Washington. Instead, when they get to Washington, D.C., Washington, D.C. changes them. They now have friends all over the place. They attend dinners. They go to parties. They fly with the president on Air Force One. If they do the right thing now, if they embarrass people, if they ask tough questions and seek the truth and do real investigations, and then they will begin to lose those friends and they won't be invited to those circles. And so what they do, they become extremely careful and they just ask basic questions. And some of them send those questions in advance and they don't actually do the job of journalism. They become uh, partners and associates of the government and, and you know, to really help conceal things from the people. And what they do is they cover it, they cover themselves by saying that it was said by the White House, it was said by the Pentagon, it was said by the CIA. So they don't do an independent reporting. And you know, the, if you ask them, why didn't you check the laptop? Why did you say it was misinformation? What did we say is it wasn't me, it was you know, intelligence officials who said it. So I just repeated what they said. And that's really um, a disgrace and a threat to the First Amendment and to journalism. The people have the right to know the truth. They have the right to have all the facts. They have the right to know uh, what's going on. And when people connive against someone who is complaining that he has not been called on in eight months, for just trying to do their job, for just trying to ask questions. And, you know, for those who are listening, a newspaper, Today News Africa, focuses on ties and interactions between U.S. and Africa. We are not doing the job of China or Russia. We are just there to strengthen ties between U.S. and Africa with accurate and relevant information. And for us to be attacked, for us to be sidelined right in the White House, it's really unfortunate and it breaks my heart because it's almost like going against the good guy, doing the job of the bad guy who will actually try to silence a good guy and not even realizing that what you are doing is detrimental to ties between US and Africa. Uh, it's really sad. Well, also detrimental to the ethos of journalism because obviously it might be your task at any given moment to report negative news coming out of the Capitol. Yes. Uh, and that's your job. You're yes. not there to play ambassador or to laugh and, and, you know, cutesy smiles at a Hollywood cast that has also been utilized. These people are just actors. They were hoodwinked into that as well, by the way, both of you were victims. They've got loads of agencies pushing this nonsense. I have to wonder, what was going on in the news on 20 March 2023 that they wanted this to be the sideshow for you all sitting in that room or standing in that room? 
You understand? I'll give you another example, really good example, actually. I didn't know this for many years. When I went to London at one point in 2007, I was speaking with a lot of people about the media and what happened when George W. Bush went to London. Now, I don't know where you were that particular day. In fact, I can barely remember where I was. Crazy time, busy, working, we all are. But what I learned is that the footage of George W. Bush being pelted with tomatoes and fruit never made it across the pond. Guess why, Simon? It was because at that very moment, guess whose ranch was being raided? There was, I, I do not have evidence of this, but I'm sorry, this is way too coincidental for me to believe that Neverland Ranch was raided at the exact same moment when George W. Bush was being tomatoed and fruited all over London. Now, when I learned about this, I was like a bit shocked because I'm very skeptical. It comes with the job, I think, at this point. But we are definitely living as independent journalists or journalists even with an ethos to cover the news. We're living in this double-tiered seat in terms of we have to not only do our job, but we have to be aware of people who say they're doing our job too, who are disinformants, whose job is to, like those two men shouting you down, telling you to wait your turn or to take it out after. And you were just saying, it's been seven months since I've been called upon. Yeah. What's going on here? <laughs> and, this is crazy. Yeah. And, you know, one of them said you should be well, be well mannered, you know, when, <laughs> when you're here, you know, he's the son of an immigrant from Lebanon who was trying to, you know, lecture me. Um, I, I would say, the only thing I would say is, you know, the job has to continue. And even when I, I know that, you know, our, our paper today, News Africa, focuses on ties and interaction between US and Africa. And we are trying to strengthen that ties. It doesn't mean we are not, we are not going to focus on the accuracy and relevance of the information. It doesn't mean the news will always be positive. It means that sometimes we call you out when you do the wrong thing. When you ban eight African nations over the Omicron variant, that is also in the UK, in Hong Kong, and elsewhere in the US and in the West, and you ban only those countries. Imagine if former President Trump had banned eight, Africa, eight Black African nations for a variant that was everywhere and banning those countries because they dare told the the they had the courage to tell the WHO that you need to pay attention. We just identified a new variant of COVID-19 and we would like you to pay attention. And how did the Biden administration react? They reacted by banning South Africa and banning seven other countries around them, six of them without the variant. And when Saki came to the White House, on that day in November, she actually read false figures. She tried to exaggerate the number of cases that were in those countries. And I called her out and she, you know, she didn't take it very well. And she began, she began to discriminate against me. And the job has to be done. When you decide to focus on an area, it means you have to be truthful. You have to be accurate. You have to be factual. And, you know, uh, you, you have to be a good, journalists 
But when you do that in the White Biden White House, what I've realized is, you know, they come after you, they sideline you, they take you off the White House Correspondent Associations, and now they are changing the rule the rules to for hard pass press hard passes on July 31st so that they can kick me out. And if you read the New York, the Washington Post yesterday and even today, they talked about retaliation against me. The New York Post also talked about retaliation against me. I was also on the Daily Call and several other publications have mm -hmm. shown that they are trying to retaliate against me only for doing my job, only for asking the tough question. Listen, it's yeah. about the job. Our job is to do the job, ask tough questions, do the real investigation go after the truth and expose lies. Our job is not to be friendly with those in power. And when people become friendly with those in power, when they become comfortable in Washington, DC, and they attend all the, they become, they become part of the social life. Now they become so careful that they are even ready to, you know, attack their colleague so they can, they can be, they can remain in those social circles. And it's really unfortunate, it's heartbreaking. Well, yes, uh, it's heartbreaking, but it is also a head scratcher, Simon, because I am here thinking once again, what happened on 20 March that they wanted to discuss suicide. I mean, that's what Ted Lasso was brought on to do. Now, ironically, my kids follow the show, we watch it. And the show actually deals with mental health issues, depression, I shouldn't have said suicide, sorry, it deals with the show deals with uh, depression and mental health. Now, these are excellent qualities to discuss. But I have not in my lifetime, to my recollection, I do not watch all the White House press briefings at all. I've seen many though, I have never seen what seems to be an infomercial throwing actors in the face of journalists, serious journalists, derailing the job of the journalists. And I could see that some of the actors were uncomfortable, not because of what you were doing, but because I, I could see the light bulb moment when they realized, oh, we were put in a really uncomfortable situation here, right? Because they were aware that your job wasn't to be recipients of a mental health awareness shtick that these actors were utilized to do. And the primary actor, Jason Sudeikis, was in character and then quickly got out of character because I think it was very clear to them that this was not the place to be doing it. In fact, I read up about what they had been doing that day and they did appropriate interventions with the First Lady and in other parts of the White House at the Capitol. But to bombard journalists, basically keeping you from doing your job, and, and so, uh, uh, and, and not just that, like, so they were uncomfortable because, you know, uh, they, were, they came to the White House to talk about mental health. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the White House doesn't take into account, you know, my own mental health, being in that White House for seven months and raising my hand every single day and trying to do my job and sidelining me and looking down upon me and disrespecting me. Even when you receive 50 African leaders for the US Africa Leaders Summit in Washington, DC, not being, not having the decency, the basic decency to call on the person who comes from that continent, who has been writing stories about that continent, who has been trying to, you know, uh, 
inform people who are interested in the US-Africa ties. And for you to now bring actors and celebrities to the briefing room and for a, you know, a good moment, a good feel, you know, that was really disrespectful. Beside that, a week after that, there was a gun shooting. I think that was in, I think maybe in Nashville or somewhere across the yes. state. And while the people on the right were talking about mental health, the people, the White House and the people who actually brought those people to talk about the, the, the mental health, all of them just focused on the guns and guns and guns. And they say the guns kill people and they didn't pay attention to the person who uses the guns. And, and so that was unfortunate. That shows you that they were not actually serious about you know, mental health, what they were serious about was to bring celebrities and, and drive the news and have them on LA Times and, you know, the Hollywood reporters and all the, the, the TV shows that we talked about celebrities coming to the White House, but mm -hmm. disrespecting the people who are doing serious news and trying to bring truth to the American people and the American allies. And Jean-Pierre's reaction to your questions were incredibly rude. In fact, she let those other two journalists have a go at you for a while, said nothing. And then she came on, she reminded me of a school marm saying, what I will not appreciate is disrespecting your colleagues and disrespecting guests who are here to talk, who were here to talk about an incredibly important issue, which is mental health. What has just occurred this last 10, 15 minutes is unacceptable. And I wanted to see the 10, 15 minutes. I was able to find three minutes and then another minute <laughs> here and there. But it's really daunting to me that Jean-Pierre's whole posture towards you is to shut you down. Nothing yeah, and... about your questions. And that day on 20 March, may I ask what your question was about? Yeah, so we, you know, there were many things happening on that particular day and even before that day. Uh, as you know, uh, we've had a lot of challenges. That was even before Sudan. We had we had instability in Ethiopia when I wasn't being called on. We've had hundreds of people being killed in Somalia when the U.S. intelligence agencies said on October 29 that a bomb attack was going to take place at the embassy at the U.S. embassy in Nigeria or the U.S. embassy in South Africa. Only for those, only for that bomb attack to take place 3,000 miles away in Mogadishu in Somalia, killing 100 people and injuring more than 300 people. Up till now, no one has been held accountable. So I had series of questions that day. I think it was also around the time the vice president. Kamala Harris was planning to go to Africa. The first lady had just returned from Africa and there were other engagements. There are always things that the US does with Africa. And being in that room, my job is to, you know, highlight some of those things and, 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 and try to understand where the relationship between Africa and the US stands. But when you sideline me, when you, you look down on me, when you, become antagonistic towards me because I'm doing my job, because I'm asking the right question, the tough questions. That's, you know, as I said, that's really unfortunate. And it also shows you that she doesn't understand where the world is right now. She doesn't understand how China is 
quickly expanding and how Russia is expanding their influence. And I'm not saying that I'm against China or Russia, but all I'm saying is based on our publication focus, which is to, to you know, look closely at the relationship between US and Africa. When you prevent me from doing that job, what you are showing towards me is disrespect. And it's not just disrespect to me, you're not just disrespecting me, but you're also disrespecting the entire continent of Africa. And just to you know, highlight something, a week before Africans came to Washington DC for the US-Africa Leaders Summit in December, the French president, Emmanuel Macron, came to Washington DC for a big state visit. He was given a red carpet, you know. He, the journalists who come from France were given multiple opportunities to ask multiple questions in the White House briefing room. He's just one president. But when 50 African president, presidents came to the White House, the press secretary did not find it important to call on the person who comes from that continent and who has been focusing on the US-Africa summit for two months before uh, prior to the summit. And it shows you the level of disdain, the level of disrespect and discrimination against me and other African journalists, and also the level of disdain toward the continent of Africa, which is, as I said, once again, very sad and heartbreaking. Well, I saw that you went on Tucker Carlson and you talked about this, couching it in terms of racism. The irony is this, as you know, a lot of these woke neoliberal fake leftists, because they're not really that far left at all, they're not even left, they would say, oh, but you went on the Daily Color, you went on Fox News, you're going to right-wing racist outlets. But I saw the coverage, and the coverage was fair. And they are, in effect, calling out the quote-unquote fake left, because again, I have to underscore, Democrats are not leftists. You know what a leftist is because Africa has an actual left where North America really doesn't. Uh, and they were calling it out too, saying, why are you ignoring this reporter's queries? Now, here's a question for you. Have you worked in other similar situations where you were dealing with either centers of power, such as the White House or other centers no. of power in other countries? Or were you able to make any kind of evaluation as to why you think this is happening then? Because it is odd. I mean, you can see that Biden has done all the window dressing to look multicultural and they're very quick they've got a, a man who identifies as a woman in one part of the government they've got obviously jean-pierre who is touted as the first african-american haitian-american press secretary well all of that does very little if her job is to ignore people who mm, look like her right i mean this is the absurdity of it all all the talk of multi this and equality that but at the end of the day, she's towing the same line that Obama towed as he was raining down drone warfare in eight different countries. And this speaks to a lot of the problems within the media today where you're going on Tucker Carlson, the leftists or the fake leftists would say, oh, but you're talking to the right who are racist. 
Are you finding this divide in the U.S. media? Because when I look at Fox News, yeah, I don't find Fox News any more racist than I do MSNBC. Yeah, they've, they've told me even in the White House, when I went to talk to Carson the first day, the White House pulled me aside and in Jen Psaki's office, and they told me, and you went to talk to Carson. That was almost telling me you went to our, our enemy. You know, so... Um, when you first arrived, when I first arrived in the U.S., they told me uh, the races and the demons and the devils were on the right and the angels and the gods were on the left. And I've come to see a different reality. I've come to understand that people are just people. You have bad people on all sides, good people on all sides. And I can go to any network. I'm granting an interview to you now. Uh, I don't know your political uh, positions or affiliations. Uh, and I can go on CNN. I can be on any left or right. You know, it doesn't really matter to me. The truth is the truth. The facts are the fact. And, you know, Fox News calls me and tells me, hey, you know, we want you on the show. Do you have time? Can you come and discuss this? And I will go on the show. And I have other people who call me from, you know, maybe One America News or Newsmax or <laughs> any other TV station or Al Jazeera, and they say, can we have you on the show? And I always go on the show. When you contacted me, I told you I'm ready to be on the show. It, you know, it's always good for me to do them in the morning because in the afternoon we have the press briefing and I meet people and interview people. And so uh, I've had people telling me you talk only to right-wing media outlets, news outlets, but you know, and I've had some people trying to claim that moral superiority and trying to claim that the other people were racist, the other people were evil, and we are the good people, we are the non-racist. But I'm at the White House with a press secretary who is Black, with a press secretary who is also an immigrant and who doesn't actually call on me, even when Black people from Africa come to the U.S. to discuss ties and interactions between U.S. and Africa. And I was left wondering, so, uh, uh, you know, who is actually racist? I don't know. But, um, you know, I, I don't buy those things anymore. I see people as individuals. I believe that you need to just love people, accept people, give people the benefit of the doubt. Don't prejudge people. Don't condemn people. Don't, don't have the moral, the false sense of, moral superiority and claim that you are better than people or you are less evil than other people. Right in the White House, I've had a different experience. Well, yes, I'm looking at the Washington Post story on you right now. Phenomenal. If this had gone down during Trump, you'd have Rachel Maddow's head exploding all over the screens. This is incredible. So it's the piece in the Washington Post by Paul Farhi, who talks about the precedent to this and amazing that the new rules being proposed are aimed at you. <laughs> yes. So the everyone, if, if you read the New York Post, also the Washington Post and the Daily Caller and the, the, the Daily Beast and several other publications, they've made it clear that they are targeting me. So the White House is trying to change rules only for me, only to target Simon Ateba, only mm -hmm. to target someone who traveled from Africa to 
you know, be a good citizen. As I wrote on Twitter today, what if I'd become a bad person, maybe a robber, attacking people, or a double agent, or an agent, and collecting millions of dollars from a foreign government, and having the best behavior in Washington, D.C., but secretly working against the U.S.? What if I'd become those people? What if I'd, I'd not become, what if I'd become the type of journalist who connives with, uh, connives with, the people in power to oppress the people they are supposed to serve. What if uh, I'd just taken a job and you know focused only on myself instead of focusing, trying to you know focus on ties and interaction between US and Africa? What if I'd become all those things? I had not become those things. I decided to become a journalist. I work hard for it. Have two degrees in journalism and communication. Have done only journalism. Have been attacked on the Gulf of Guinea with an AK-47 to my head. I've been arrested in Cameroon kept in a dark cell and accused of being a spy for Boko Haram when I was actually doing an investigative report on Nigerian refugees in Chad and Cameroon. I've been kidnapped from a bus in Nigeria, Lagos, Nigeria, dumped in the woods and left for dead. I've been beaten attacked by pastors in a church for trying to expose corruption in the church in Nigeria. I've gone through all those things, but I became a better person. I didn't become bitter. I kept doing my job. I kept focusing on facts and truth. And I realized that, you know, you have a choice. You can decide to become angry and then blame everyone else for your circumstances. Or you can do the job, become a good person and focus on the job and raise money through subscription, which is what I do on Twitter. I ask people to subscribe to my Twitter, ask people to subscribe to our publication so that we can have enough revenue. We don't rely on any government to do our job. We don't even rely on the White House. But here we are doing all the right things, taking all the right steps, but facing discrimination, facing uh, which is abuses from, you know, the White House and which is, it breaks my heart because it shows you that if you do the right thing, if you try to do your job and ask, you know, in the most ethical way possible and ask the right questions, what happens is you're going to be punished, you're going to be sidelined, and you're going to be removed from the White House Correspondents Association and barred from attending the dinner, the White House Correspondent Dinner. I couldn't attend that dinner because they wouldn't let me buy a ticket. And they justified that they don't let me buy a ticket because I'm no more a member of the WACA. But I'm not a member of the WACA because you refuse to renew my membership only because I'm doing my job only because I'm asking the right question and going after the right fact, trying to highlight the truth and trying to inform the American people. And it, it breaks my heart even as I talk about it this morning. My jaw is agape. I am shocked. Now, when did you have your membership removed? Uh, so every year you have to renew your membership and they couldn't remove me. So what they did was they just waited for me to apply for a new one. 
Mm -hmm. and and they didn't just renew it and they sent me an email and they said uh you know your behaviors and you know we couldn't determine that you are gainfully employed we just file our tax returns our company is registered in washington dc the district of columbia we pay taxes here i'm gainfully employed i have two degrees in journalism i've done i just cover the news i don't have any second job you're listening to Savage Minds, and we hope you're enjoying the show. Please consider subscribing. We don't accept any money from corporate or commercial sponsors, and we depend upon listeners and readers just like you. Now, back to our show. Even if you are making zero revenue, this raises serious ethical issues about who is and who is not called on. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking at the photos of that room. I tried to find so much on that incident with you. So I was watching loads of even past conferences of the sort. And what's clear, and this has been a criticism that was raised even back through the Obama White House, when you had people like um, Helen Thomas, who's now deceased, but she had hard questions, but she had a long rapport with these people so that she got away with some of it. Although someone like her and someone like you, obviously, you're not being accepted and someone like her would not be accepted today because things have actually clamped down. And the paradox, and I was just talking to a guest the other day, just ran this interview, in fact, today with Nick Cruz. And Nick Cruz and I had a long discussion about this. He's of the Revolutionary Black Network, where we discussed, in fact, what's happened within the Jean-Pierre, especially reign of information. And this is falling on the heels of, remember, the Biden administration's attempt to have an information czar. Now, we've got a problem that Trump called out of fake news. The problem is even greater, that fake news is mandated into being by whoever wants to say it is. It's like having a Harry Potter wand. And it, all it takes is that you can say that's fake news and then you or your paper can become very quickly persona non grata and the entire mechanism, as you very clearly point out, it's about being part of this club. I saw the camaraderie, not only in what those two men expressed towards you and button up and, and, and be quiet, but there's a camaraderie that comes around having a press pass there, that comes around going to that dinner right yes. and these are people who have garnered very friendly relationships which is actually in itself a conflict of interest and it's something that i witnessed myself when i left academia i'm a trained academic and in 2010 i was packing up my house and the earthquake in haiti happened i went there long story short that's when i became a journalist and i started covering what is a very similar dynamic, Simon, you'll recognize this, where NGOs, UN folks brought in. Now they're brought in from all over the world, including from your country. They're brought in from every country in the world and they always represent the upper 1%. It's very rare that you're gonna have a working class NGO person. No, these are people who had finished at uh, Sorbonne at Oxford, at Harvard, and they float, they've been flown in. They're a humanitarian specialist. They're an expert in housing and toilets and flooding. All these people flown in, they live in mansions. And I don't know if you've been to Port-au-Prince, but there is a, 
a very wealthy section on the mountain and they were all staying on the mountain. I know because when I first got there, I was invited to their posh parties and they had one of these mansions was about four tiers of land because it's terraced land there with a swimming pool and all these orchards and beautiful trees. It was like you went from the ghetto to the Park Avenue. It was insane. And it was that very same kind of cozy elbow rubbing behaviors that I saw were people who had a rank of uh, anything above P3 in the UN, but even sometimes lower ranks, they would be rubbing elbows with these international NGOs, very few, not surprisingly, local NGOs, Haiti, tiny country, over 10,000 NGOs. I'm at a party. I kid you not. Someone taps me on my shoulder. I turn around and the guy says to me, hey, I'm Sean. And I hold my hand up. I recognize this guy because it was Sean Penn. And long story mm -hmm. short, you are thrown within the creme de la creme of everything. And you're finding people that you never thought you'd meet in your entire life. But these are operations that are set out to recuperate money by creating more disaster or not properly fixing the disaster. And as a result, you see a lot of what uh, is called the Peter Principle, which is the promotion of someone who's not excellent, but who's quite mediocre. And those are the people who end up staying in the UN, in, pro in international NGOs for decades. And these are people who keep the machinery well-oiled and the PR well done because what I saw, and I was there for quite a while, so I got to see it in action. I wrote a book about it. They go to one of the IDP camps, get the first row of people, pay them some money to take down their tents because their tent says Red Cross and they want to put up World Vision. They paid them, they get the photo op, they get more donors, job done. That's how it works. It's crazy. There's so much to it too. Um, there's much more behind the scenes. But this is where I saw a lot of confluence between the way power functions within that realm of, I'm going to just call it what I think it is, because I do think development work is a bunch of uh, nonsense, and it's just neocolonialism. We've replaced Charles de Gaulle with World Vision, with... Uh, you name it. <laughs> There's so many of these organizations now that are out there. Uh, I'm working on a piece right now about Save the Children. You know why the piece is not done, Nick? This won't surprise you. I've been contacting the Save the Children press office for over three months, and I've been getting stonewalled when I asked for information and the UN as well, information as to their guidelines about taking photos of children that they use to make money from. You've seen those ads. They pop up <laughs> all over Facebook yeah. and they have... Especially black African children. Exactly. It's rare. They did get Turkish with the recent earthquake there. They, they will exploit white bodies just to look fair, but it's almost invariably South Asian and African bodies and faces. And I said to save the children, both in London and Rome, I said, I'd like to see the permissions for these photos. You would not believe what they did. They sent me PR. We are one of the top, da, da. we received these awards, da, da. We did, and I said, oh, thank you for that. I've read about you, I know who you are. Could you send me please 
I sent them eight, nine different links to the photos and videos. And I said, could you send me the permissions for these? We can't do that. That would be a violation of privacy. And I said, well, you can redact them, but we can't do that. That would be a violation of privacy. And I said, do you know what redacting means? It means literally taking the information out. They kept insisting. I finally asked them for a blank form, what they use in those countries. And I said, I'd like the original language form that you use in these countries. They still have not sent it to me. Now, the reason for this is similar to what you experienced in the White House. You know that if I were from the New York Times, they would have jumped on yeah. that. They would have been up at midnight sending me that or creating a lie. And this is what's happening. The very work that people like Glenn Greenwald, Nick Cruz, yourself, me, we do, it's going to be always having the stick thrown in the wheels, as they say. We are never going to get a fair shake, and they will always brush us off because they know what we're after. And the UN didn't get back to me either, by the way. I've been trying to get the, the it's a PDF from UNICEF that basically lays out their guidelines as to the ethics of taking children's photos. Now, I'm in the EU. The UK has signed on to the same accords that most countries in the world have about the rights of children. One of the rights that children have is of privacy. If I run about and snap a photo of some white person's child in Kensington Garden, and I make a calendar and money from that, they could take me to court. And in some of the EU countries, I could go to jail for that because this would be considered child exploitation. Ironically, these NGOs, again, these are simply pimping off of colonial models of empowerment and money-making because it's complete bollocks what these NGOs do. I'm very against the NGO model and that has got to be destroyed, I hope, one day in my lifetime. But what these organizations do, similar to what's happening with the media, is that they're able to, to home in on the, the aspects that they will get the most support for. Just like you're never going to be called by Jean-Pierre. You're never going to get her calling on you now that you've pissed her off. But the very people who will be shills for Biden's lies, who will be shills for what's happened regarding the Hunter Biden laptop and the cover up of that story, right? Uh, they're going to call on those people because at the end of the day, Jean-Pierre's job is to curate the message and who she chooses defines the message. So she can't include your voice, Simon, because she knows you're going to derail that in the same way that UNICEF isn't sending me the child photography guidelines after months of promising me they would because they know what I'm working on. And my story is very much about the way that these international NGOs function within the framework of the UN, and they do, they're called clusters when they're on the ground doing their collaboration, that they are in fact making it up as they go along. It's complete nonsense. And Yes, you're, you're exactly right. When I sit in the White House, I see how hard it is for the common man to have hope. I see the lobbyists who are there to promote pharmaceutical companies and the top guys and the gun manufacturers and the, the drug manufacturers and the car manufacturers. And so they are there to promote, you know, special interests. 
And then I see the public relation people like Karen Jean-Pierre, Jen Saki, and all their office who are there to tell you that red is black and black is yellow. And, and those are the people who make it in the media. Those are the people who are the uh, re reliable sources of news. Those are the people that we listen to. We listen to the people at the Pentagon. We listen to the people at the CIA. We listen to the lobbyists and all those people who are actually the public relations firms in Washington, D.C., who are very powerful. All of them have billions and billions of dollars in budget. And those are the people who actually decide what people see as reality. Those are people who... Uh, manipulate the news. And for the little guy, the common man who is maybe in Minnesota, in Texas, who travels to Washington, D.C. to see the person that they, they send to Washington, D.C., maybe their representative, they can't even get access to them because now they don't need them. They can raise money right here in Washington, D.C. And what do we see on MSNBC, on NBC News, ABC News, CNN, and other outlets, mainstream media, will be what the press secretary said, what the Pentagon said, what the CIA said, what the top people who are actually propagate, propagating lies and manipulations and propaganda, uh, you know, say. And so it becomes difficult. And also you realize that the media industry is now dominated by a few, uh, a few people, a few, I think six, six, uh, six big, uh, how will I call them, uh, is in networks and, and who control almost 90% of what people see and read and, and, and listen to. And so when someone like Simon comes in and asks the real question, asks the, you know, tries to do the job, what you realize is they don't give you access. If you want to travel with the president on Air Force One, you, you need to pay to travel. And so the people who end up traveling are still the same people. Where do, uh, every Sunday in Washington, D.C., the White House decide who to send to Sunday shows? And where do they send them to? They send them to ABC, NBC, CBS, uh, Fox News, and all other places. And so they travel with the president, they get questions. They fly, the on Sundays they get access to those people in the briefing room, they also have access to them. And when the president does events, they don't give grant access to everybody. As you know, two days ago, I think two days ago, on Monday, they, they denied access to the Washington, the New York Post journal, White House correspondent uh, to President Biden. And if you Google it, you will see it there. They couldn't grant him access because they were afraid they may ask questions about Hunter Biden and Hunter Biden laptops. And so you have that censorship and that discrimination going against the people who don't toe the line, going against the people who actually decide to do the job. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate. And I, I know we have to go uh, shortly. But I will say that for anyone who is listening to me anywhere, just keep praying for me. Follow me on Twitter, Simon at Simon Ateba. Uh, support us, support, you know, subscribe to our publication, our newspaper today, newsafrica.com. Just keep, you know, praying for me so that I keep doing my job, send words of encouragement, because I've realized that even in the White House, in the most advanced country in the world, the most democratic country in the world, the country that has the first amendment, which is supposed to protect 
free speech and the freedom of the press and assembly, and even the right to petition your government to seek redress, I've realized that even in that country, even in the most powerful house in the world, you can still be faced discriminations. And I faced them. I've been discriminated against. I've been looked down upon simply for doing my job, simply for asking the right questions. Uh, and it, it breaks my heart to even be here and think about it. And that's why I'm writing a book to just talk about my life and talk about, you know, some of those things that I thought that were reality and, and you know, how I came to discover the truth and discover reality and, you know, know that, you know, there's no perfection anywhere. The U.S. is still a good country. It's still a great country. It's still a country where you have some basic freedoms. But I'm, I'm, I've come to believe that those freedoms are now under threat and under attack. Uh, and it breaks my heart to see that the U.S. may soon lose, uh, you know, what uh, its it biggest treasure, which is the freedom of the press and democracy. Yes, and one of the things that has not passed me by is that the reporter from Reuters, who tried to shut you up and shut you down, what is not being discussed is how Big Pharma is paying Reuters so much money. I don't know if you're aware, but Reuters runs events for Big Pharma. There was a big one in 2021, October in London, where they bring together 50 of the top pharmaceutical companies. I'm talking Roche, Merck, Pfizer. I'm talking Bayer, Sanofi, Gilead. The biggest companies in the world are the biggest funders of the biggest pharmaceutical companies in the world are the biggest funders of legacy media. It's no surprise that they will be the ones, as you rightly point out, who can get on Air Force One and who will be called upon by Jean-Pierre. Yes, I, I, I don't have details on, you know, Big Pharma and right, you know, how they are conniving, but I wouldn't be surprised that the, the top companies, the top funds, the top networks, also, you know, that they connive to, you know, it is the same system. Uh, the same people with money uh, end up having a big say uh, to what we listen to in the, in the media. And which is even the people who pretend to be independent, even the people who pretend to be impartial, what you realize is they are not really independent. They are not really impartial. And they don't stand there for me. CNN is not standing for me. MSNBC is not standing for me. Actually, the women on The View called me a horrible person. Whoopi Goldberg, she <laughs> called me a bad person. Sonny Hostin and Joy Behar, you know, they, 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 they called me, you know, they used really bad language against me. They don't know me. I sit down at home and I watch them and I respect them. I grew up, you know, looking up to the view. I, I used to watch the, the view even before now. And I used to respect and love Whippy Goldberg and and and, and like Sonny Hostin. And they're the way judging me and attacking me for just trying to do my job, for just trying to ask and 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 just trying to say I deserve to have a question when Africans, 50 African leaders are in Washington DC to discuss US-Africa relations with President Biden. Hey, I'm here, can you call on me? I have a question. And she wouldn't do that. And 
And you know, it 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 saddens me that the the people who are there to stand for me on ABC News, on MSNBC, on CNN, they are not there to stand for me. AP is not there for me. Reuters is not there for me. The Daily Mail is not there for me. The Guardian in the UK, they are not there for me. Um, and those are the people who always tap free speech and impartiality and, you know, the freedom of the press and, you know, fighting for journalism, quoting Amnesty International. Amnesty International is not there for me. Human rights is not there for me. Uh, all the people I used to believe, I deserve deceived myself into believing that they were the people who were fighting for freedom. I've come to realize that that freedom only uh, matters if you, you're on the right side, on their right side. If your sin has you know, challenging the status quo, challenging the system and asking the uncomfortable questions. You don't see those people. Those people are not there for you and they've not been there for me and it's a shame. I will continue to do my job. I will be remain undeterred. I, I believe that it's important to have independent journalists who can still ask those important questions that the people really care about. I believe that it should, journalism shouldn't be about the money. It shouldn't be about the people who have the biggest, the fat checks, the people who have all the money. No, it should be about the people who seek the truth. And I'm there to seek the truth. And now the White House is trying to change the rules so that they can kick Simon Ateba out. And it's, it, it, it saddens me. Um, it's really unfortunate what's going on here in Washington, D.C. Thank you.